The following is brought to you by Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Michael Bolick, Frank Latuka, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, Will Harris, and Craig. Hello and welcome everybody to the Politics, Politics, Politics program. January 27th, 2021, year old boy Justin Robert Young. Four sweet, tender days away from the end of the villainous boo hiss. Dry January. Yeah. We got a lot to talk about. I, I'm I'm gonna make a controversial statement to all of our liberal listenership. All of our never Trump listenership. You don't want impeachment. You don't want this trial. Indeed, if I were to come up to you and give you the opportunity right now to turn a key and the impeachment trial would just vanish and go away I believe by the end of this episode you would take it we're also going to take a look at the 2022 races that are already shaping up we'll take a look at the landscape there specifically which races we're going to be paying attention to Not only, obviously, in the midterms, but also right now, as we see announcements, we see early polls, and we begin to get a look at the lay of the land as to how the major battles in the Senate and the House will take shape. All that, and we have our progressive voice, our friend, the Internet's own. The literal Grinch, Jack Allison. Uh, we we have we have a great conversation about uh, whether or not comedies rebounded, uh, whether or not the the progressive movement uh, movement is in a good spot right now. Uh, there's a Frank Sinatra reference. It's it's always great having Jack on the show, and I guarantee you that this is no exception. But you know, in impeachment, some of these Republicans say, let's move on. It's divisive. Bull. Number one, it's required by law. Number two, if we convict, we can then, with 51 votes, prevent him from running from office. But the third point I want to make You want to unify America? You need truth and accountability. That is Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer giving uh, an interview to Rachel Maddow on Monday. This was uh, his first big allow me to reintroduce myself to a key Democratic media voting bloc. MSNBC. All right. This segment is going to be bare knuckle, buy for one, sell for two. It's not personal. It's just business politics. I'm not going to talk to you about what is morally right. I'm not going to talk to you about what you should do if you want to save the soul of the nation. I'm not going to be a weepy-eyed constitutionalist. I'm not going to be a cut-me-and-I-will-bleed red, white, and blue American experiment superfan. What I am going to do for this next segment is talk to you as an optimizer. An efficiency 
expert. Somebody that is only looking to do one thing. Do things. There is a large possibility based on historical data that the Democrats are already below two years time where they will have any kind of majority in the Senate. Traditionally, midterms swing against the president's party. So if we are operating under that assumption, then in the words of the film industry, we are burning daylight as we speak. If you are the Democratic majority, there is not a lot of time to do things at the speed of Congress, specifically when you have a 50-50 split with a tiebreaker. That means anything you can't find consensus on is going to have to go through reconciliation, which isn't cheating, but it is time-consuming. And what you're able to push through there is often far less than you would have wanted. We're probably going to have to take some time in a future episode to talk about reconciliation and exactly what it means and when it's happened in the past, but we'll table that for now. Because what I want to talk to you about is impeachment and specifically the second trial to convict Donald Trump. This time, one article for inciting insurrection against the United States of America by way of his words leading up to the Stop the Steal rally in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, and then his actions on stage during that rally that subsequently led to hundreds of his supporters storming into the Capitol, resulting in at least as we know now, four deaths. Again, just so I'm just going to let you know, I'm going to immediately delete any email that comes in explaining to me why for the soul of America, we need to make sure that, uh, that, that we have this trial. I know. In fact, I'm probably going to get a text message from my mom when she listens to this and she's going to say, I'm, 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 I'm disgusted that you would even have this conversation because she very much believes, as you heard last week, we need to have this trial. We need to convict Donald Trump, but I'm telling you now, if you could make it go away and you are a democratic voter and you want this performance by the Democratic Senate to be good enough that you don't lose your majority. Indeed, you expand it. What you want is for them to get as much done as possible. My argument, brutal though it might be, cut and dry, black and white, as it might be, and it's something that I feel is underreported, it's only a, a few outlets, political outlets even, that, that, are, that are daring to say this out loud. Shout out to Punchbowl, a new outlet that I love so far. I've already subscribed to their, uh, to their, to their newsletter. Shout out to Punchbowl. Everybody who's listening to this say PX3 loves Punchbowl. I would love to interview some of those guys. They are among the few brave people to say what is plainly obvious. Donald Trump will not be convicted. It's not going to happen. Conviction does not have the votes. But cocaine Mitch is the... He won't. But maybe the moderate, they won't. 
Yes, there will be more Republicans that will vote for it now compared to with the Ukraine thing. So it'll be more than just Mitt. But it will not happen. It won't. It won't. Here's what is going to happen. A lot of you are going to watch the TV and you're going to watch the trial and you're going to and you're going to boo hiss at the Trump stuff and you're going to hooray at all the uh, 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 anti-Trump stuff. And then people are going to vote to not to acquit him. And then you're going to be like, I can't believe that blank senator did this. Well, you should, because I'm telling you right now that that's exactly what's going to happen. I don't know if he would have got convicted the day after the event, but it would have been closer then. I sure as hell know that it wasn't going to happen after Nancy Pelosi sat on the impeachment stuff. I knew it wasn't going to happen after Mitch McConnell said that he wasn't going to rush back to, to get the conviction, which would have been the cleanest way to do this. And I certainly know it's not going to happen because we're already moving in to getting set for the midterms. And if you are not in the Republican Party, then you fundamentally do not have the full picture of what it would mean. Again, cold, calculating, just, just like getting the votes together to do this to take the extraordinary step for the first time in American history to convict an impeached president. Think about it like this. Have you known somebody that was in a really bad relationship? Like, and I don't mean secretly bad. I don't mean you and your other friends all talk about what a terrible relationship it is. I mean the person in it, your friend, knows it's a bad relationship. Now, when you all get together, all that person does is is bitch about how bad their relationship is. And your conversation with them usually goes something like, well, why don't you just get out of it? Like, I know it's going to be tough. I know that there's, you guys co-own things or or you have a pet together or kids, but no one's benefiting from the fact that you are in a bad relationship. And they always say like, I know, I know, I know, I know. And then guess what? The next day you see a picture of the two of them, your friend and and their awful significant other smiling on Facebook. Because even if you are that person's best friend, their best friend, you still don't know exactly what is going on in that situation, in that relationship. Now, Democrats and Republicans in this era of hyperpolarization are certainly not best friends. But if you are on the liberal side of this, let me explain to you what is going on inside the Republican Party. They have no idea which way forward the best path to electability is. They know they couldn't win the presidency because of the suburbs, but they also know that COVID kind of threw everything out of whack. And when the super polarizing Donald Trump wasn't on the ballot, Republicans were in a better situation than they were previously based on the down ballot races. They believe that the reason why they were able to do better down ballot is because the suburbs are still on their side. They're just not on Trump's. However, the working class, the dive bar instead of the country club, they showed up to the Republican Party because of Trump. So at this point, Mitch McConnell has everything that he wants. Now, he would like the Senate still, but 
all things being equal, Donald Trump is down in Mar-a-Lago starting his office of the former president. But he has an ability to blame any denigration further of Donald Trump on the Democrats and to pitch directly to those working class voters. Now, who knows whether or not he can, but what he can't do is sever his ties to those voters, which is what whipping up votes to convict Donald Trump would be, standing arm in arm with Chuck Schumer. Now, Mitch McConnell is not up on the ballot, and he's not the Republican Party, but he is probably the most savvy surveyor of political fault lines that we have right now in the Republican Party. And so, this isn't going to happen. You're going to get a few more. There are going to be a a, a few ye old Republicans that are going to use that moment to convict Donald Trump as a way of saying that they are very different from the dive bar side of this party. But it's not going to happen. And so if we understand that it's not going to happen and we understand That time is precious for Chuck Schumer and his thinnest of thin majorities. And we understand that part of the reason why John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock got put into the Senate was because people wanted $2,000 and other COVID relief and state and local aid. And we understand that that at its earliest is going to happen after March. And we understand that the Democrats are going to shred everybody who doesn't vote to convict Donald Trump, therefore poisoning the well further for any kind of bipartisan help that they would need to get anything passed. Then I would say, That if you were going to look at this unemotionally and simply say from the Democratic perspective that you wanted to get as much done as you possibly could, you would get impeachment over with as fast as possible. Indeed you could possibly score the biggest win by way of censure. At that point, you could have a bipartisan verdict that punishes uniquely Donald Trump without having the exact same thing that happened with Ukraine happen again in the year of our Lord, 2020. 21. Is it ever too early to look at 2022? I don't think so. By the way, that's another element uh, to, to the impeachment thing is every second that ticks by is a second closer to everybody thinking about 2022, specifically with the Senate hanging in the kind of balance that it is. And the more Republicans think about 2022, the more they're going to not think about insulting any possible member of their own party. So let's take a look at what that battleground is going to look like. Popular Senator Rob Portman of Ohio said that he is not going to seek his seat. That now makes that an open primary And uh, one of 20 seats that the Republicans are going to have to defend, that's going to include open ones in North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and now Ohio. The GOP will also have to defend Marco Rubio's seat in Florida and Senator Ron Johnson's seat in Wisconsin. Meanwhile, the Democrats have to defend 14 seats 
and the top GOP targets, and again, they only got to get one, they only got to get one, is Arizona's Mark Kelly, who was the second beneficiary of Martha McSally, for which we all know it takes two L's to spell McSally, which is what she gave the Democrats, two losses. And Raphael Warnock, dude has no rest, (laughs) no rest. He's got to get right back there on the campaign trail and hope that he can win in an election that will not have the kind of uh, national acclaim that his last one did. Meanwhile, Maggie Hassan in New Hampshire and Catherine Cortez Masto in Nevada will also be up, and those are winnable seats for the Republicans. Now, Biden won all four of those states, but they're not exactly traditional Democratic strongholds. By the way, next week, we're going to have a a reporter from the Arizona Republic on to talk about what the hell is going on with that state's party because they are crazy pants with silly sauce lately. They censured Cindy McCain. They censured the governor. Uh, The Portland GOP has gone crazy too, but we'll talk about that another week. Let's take a look right now at what will likely be, likely be the most competitive races. Let's start on the Republican side. Chuck Grassley, uh, uh, the man with the most bizarre Twitter account in Washington. He is uh, uh, going to tell us in the next couple weeks or days whether or not he'll run again. That's in Iowa. So we'll keep an eye on that. That is a Republican lean by about eight points. We have Portman, who's now out. In North Carolina, that's open. Pennsylvania, that's open. The only other Republican-leaning seat is Marco Rubio in Florida. That's a 3.4% Republican lean. At that point, we get into these following seats. Warnock in in, in Georgia, Kelly in Arizona, and Ron Johnson in Wisconsin. Remember, Ron Johnson came... or Sorry, uh, Wisconsin was a lot closer than anybody thought. That open Pennsylvania seat is going to be very interesting to see exactly who is going to be able to run there. Then you have Catherine Cortez Masto in Nevada, Maggie Hassan in North Car- uh, uh, New Hampshire. And at that point, because New Hampshire is still a 7.4% Democratic lean, you get into more solidly Democratic territory. Uh, Michael Bennett in Colorado. Ron Wyden in Oregon, Tammy Duckworth in Illinois. These are all double-digit Republican leans. Um, You know, even somebody who's going to be running for the first time, like Alex Padilla, who replaced Kamala Harris in California. That would be its own its own thing. Of course, Chuck Schumer is also up. I'm uh, by the way, I'm losing faith in the AOC challenge, especially because. AOC running could possibly tip the Senate now. That might be too hot even for AOC, but I would love to see it. Just so I could get my AOC versus Donald Trump Jr. prediction cash in. That'd be nice for me. But I think it is not likely to happen. So there we go. Those are our big battlegrounds. And we're just going to go by the the, the most competitive states. We have the open one in Ohio, the open seat in Ohio, Marco Rubio in Florida, the open seat in North Carolina, Warnock, Kelly, Johnson, and the open seat in Pennsylvania on the Democratic side. And remember... The Republicans only need one. They need one. Each and every one of these seats is going to be as vital as the entire Senate chamber. The next step now is to see who is stepping up in the primaries 
specifically in Ohio, specifically in North Carolina, and specifically in Pennsylvania. Can the Republicans put together, who will win? I mean, like, who's going to run? Will it be a ye old or a yee-haw? Country club or dive bar? That's what we want to know in those three seats specifically. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to support this show, there's a quick and easy way to do it. And that is to go to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. You join at the $3 level, and you get two bonus episodes of this podcast each and every week. A podcast on Monday, recapping everything that happened over the weekend, on the Sunday shows, anything that happened on Friday. We have a bonus episode on Thursday that'll give you everything that effectively happens on Wednesday. And, you know, just to tell a secret, a lot of the show for Friday is done throughout the week. So that Monday show also kind of gets you everything that happens from like the middle of Thursday on through the weekend. That's a big Monday show. A lot of news happens. Polls, analysis, predictions. It all happens on the PX3 Extra, and you can get on that train. Make a commitment. If you are still interested in politics after the chaos of the Trump administration, then invest in your own knowledge of the subject by heading on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com, signing up at the $3 level goes into the podcatcher of your choice. It's a one-time set it and forget it situation. So what did we talk about on this Monday's? Well, I'll tell you. We talked about California's horrendous leadership on lifting the COVID lockdowns after having a nonsensical reason to put them in place in the very beginning. We talked about the future of MAGA media and whether or not the White House Correspondents Association is going to be any different going forward. Talked about the Moderna vaccine, the Supreme Court dismissing an emoluments lawsuit against Donald Trump, and much more. Guys, get on the train. It's basically this episode without the interviews on Monday and Thursday. Take politics seriously. Our guest today is one of our favorite progressive voices, the bomb thrower, the literal Grinch. You know him from Struggle Session, the podcast, his morning show, Jack A.M. Welcome back to the show, Jack Allison. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm doing great. You know, it's a uh, it's a it's a it's a triumphant time here in the United States of America. <laughs> well, you know, the, the first time that you came on the show was talking about why comedy was awful during uh-huh. Trump. And mm-hmm. uh, now that Trump is no longer the president, I feel like uh, we're, we're we're on the uh, battleship where yeah. we've got the mission accomplished banner. Behind us, the laughs are back, right? The laughs are back. You know, here's the thing, uh, honestly, Justin, that I, you know, think about now uh, 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 after coming on the show the first time, we had this talk about why comedy was bad under Trump and everything. And what I'm realizing now uh, under Biden is comedy was bad under Trump because the comedians are bad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I do think that part of it was we might just be a... This might just be a lost generation for comedy. I mean, I I don't know. Like, you know, it's like it's it's not a it's not a it's not a lost generation for comedy. It's just a lost generation for all corporate art. I think. You know what I mean? It's like that. That that might be the way to put it. It, it, Yeah. What we we traditionally thought as the avant garde was like, oh, late night because of Letterman and Conan and movies, TV, movies. Like, really, what these are, you know, to make a movie, to make a TV show, it's such it's such a you know 
know, a, 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 a huge business endeavor at this point. You know what I mean? And you're like the CEO of a television, CEO of a television show or the CEO of a movie. And I think in modern day America, it's impossible to make anything interesting in that structure. So, you know, maybe we should forget, you know, uh, the idea uh, that, you know, uh, uh, late night can be avant garde because they're ultimately just sort of like the sleep aid arm (laughs) of a multinational corporation. Uh, It's been staggering how awful everything still is <laughs> like it's i mean look it's kind of culture insane. is really really wretched you know what i mean and it's like you know uh, um we're we're seeing a lot of self-congratulation we're seeing a lot of you know uh, uh like you said the mission accomplished sign on the battle cruiser you know what i mean yeah. like we are seeing rich liberals you know sort of be you know reveal themselves as as uncaring uh, uh, as they actually are, you know what I mean? Like, like the, you know, people that are posting about like, okay, we can stop paying attention, you know, now that Biden's in charge and they are brazenly posting stuff like that. You know what I mean? It's like, I think that the Biden election is allowing for rich liberals a, a, a true return to normalcy and an and allowance for them to be like, OK, we're done with politics. Let's get back to like the stuff we actually want to be working on. You know what I mean? And so aside from the sort of ugly self-congratulation and, you know, the the disgusting, opulent, opulent, like pageantry of it all, you know, when people are when it is as grim as it's ever been in the United States. Yeah, you know, it, it, uh, didn't, it didn't get any nicer. Over the know. over over the holidays, right? In you fact, know, we had no, we had no. four thousand deaths a day <laughs> for yeah. most of it. No, it's 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 exceedingly grim. We're at the you know nine eleven a day level uh, uh, for some time now, um, and you know I just I wasn't that heartened. <laughs> You know, by watching all of the politicians we know wear very expensive stuff, you know, on TV. Uh, and I think that, you know, what we're seeing now is like liber- liberals wanting to get back to their lives and just enjoy a sort of celebritized presidency that they can, like, you know, enjoy kind of in the background while they all get back to the important work, you know, of like, how they should, how they individually should personally be represented in the boardroom, like by being in the boardroom. <laughs> I, 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 I do, I do wonder though whether the whether this level of Biden enthusiasm even lasts until like the summer, because Biden, while likable, is not particularly charming, and he does get. <laughs> We're also not going to see him ever. They're going to disappear him. Well, so that, often, that is I that swear. is. I'll tell you that uh, you had a tweet a while during the election that that <laughs> I, I kept coming back to, of uh, uh, <laughs> the Biden presidency is a medium post that says the riots must stop with a <laughs> yeah. picture from him during the Obama admin- administration, uh, like that. And 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 there's there's part of that. They have made an effort to put him. Out there, yes. although I, I think that, you know, these first couple of days of the Biden presidency, I think that they're like very aware that they're under the gun and that they're yeah. sort of on borrowed time. And so, yeah, I, I will say that, like, they came right out of the gate with a big old stack of executive orders, some of which were fine, some of which were like not that interesting to me, you know, but like, yeah, they have had Biden on camera a lot and, you know, kind of being a very sort of active president. Um, but, yeah, I, I wonder how long they'll be able to keep that up, um, you know, and, and I also think that we're just not going to see anything policy come out of this White House. Like, you know, already the two thousand dollar checks became fourteen hundred dollar checks and they're not even going to happen until like March, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, or April. Right. And, yes. and and we don't even we don't even know, which, by and, the way, which, by the way, wherever you stand on four, whether they already gave us six hundred dollars, which, by the way, I didn't I have, you know, I only have a thing on IRS saying, like, you know, we don't know what happened, where your money is. Deal with it later <laughs> or whatever. So I never got six hundred dollars. But I personally, I just think if someone gives you six hundred dollars and then takes another five months to give you the rest, fourteen hundred dollars, that's like different payments. You know what I mean? Like over six months getting two thousand dollars 
is is uh, I don't know. I, I, that's just like not understanding how money works to me. <laughs> well, and it certainly wouldn't have been considered two thousand dollars if it were two Trump administration payments. Right. right exactly. Like, you know, which, it, by the way, I definitely don't think it's fair for them to claim credit for the payment that did come out and was signed under Trump. You know what I mean? Like, I know that they're like, we were always talking about it just being an addendum or whatever. But I'm like, you really are in the same way that Trump was like claiming credit for like the good economy that was occurring under Obama. You are claiming credit for like legislation that did happen under Trump. That is the GOP, Senate and Trump six hundred dollars. Sorry. Well, uh, my my thing with them is that. A, you have you have. How is any of this going to get done, right? So, like, number one, we have a lot of things that everybody is very, very keyed in on. The impeachment that now yes. is going to take up two weeks, right? Mm -hmm. You got to mm -hmm. get all these people confirmed. And then you have, like, three major action items. The first that, that supersedes all of them is COVID. But also, the longer you go, and I do think this is part of the calculus the less urgent it's going to be because the vaccines are already happening. So it's yeah. like when you say, oh, we're definitely going to do 1400. If there were a betting market, I would bet on it just not happening because yeah. well, a, it's going to be hard to happen today, and, and B, the economy is going to be in a better position. Well, I mean, I also would say that today we saw them, you know, release this resolution to raise the minimum wage to $15 by it's 2025. Not going to happen I'm like, all. okay, so you're going to, have a Republican House before 2025. You know what I mean? Like that is setting up like set up anything with the like with the with the runway being longer than two years. I'm like, so it's just not going to happen then. You know what I mean? Like that's designed to not happen at this point. It, it, no, <laughs> it, it is, it is designed to run against Republicans in 2024. Exactly. Exactly. And 2022, which, by the way, I swear to God, I'm like, you know, Everything is just running out the clock right now. We claimed a big success on like, oh, Mitch McConnell rescinded his demand to, you know, uh, not do away with the like filibuster or whatever during our unnecessary like power sharing summits or whatever. I'm like, so big success. Mitch McConnell was able to waste half of what will be basically <laughs> half of what is basically 100 weeks. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we have a hundred weeks until, you know, Mitch McConnell's Senate is probably sworn in again. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like he was able to waste like like, you know, almost <laughs> like two percent of that time just on this stupid procedural nonsense. Can you even I swear to God, they are salivating at the Trump impeachment. You know what I mean? That takes up like a full five percent of like the entire <laughs> of this entire like Senate. Uh, um, well, you and, know. and also it's like it's he's going to get acquitted again. Like, of course he is. It's another Ukraine. It's like we're just doing the sequel of the Ukraine thing where it's going to make for some fine television. Maybe they'll get Rudy on television and everybody will be aghast <laughs> and they'll get to squeeze some ratings out of it. I, I think like, I, I think I think I think Rudy got put back in whatever cedar box that he's <laughs> that he's kept in and, and rolled back under the, the, the cigar shop, uh, yeah. the cigar shop uh, display case. Yes, yes. Rudy, Rudy uh, uh, is being taxidermied, perhaps, as we speak. Uh, yeah. um, but in any event, it might be some good television. We might get fun chirons. We might get good ads that say the trial of Donald Trump or whatever the fuck. Uh, but I don't think it will really amount to anything other than, like, basically making it so that we will be in 2022 before any meaningful thing is done. Well, <laughs> With, and, and also know, owning, it's like uh, the House and Senate. It, it's. The impeachment thing, if you really wanted to do it, you had to gun it. Like, you had to go really fast. And, and no and, one's going to give it now. Like, you know, Lindsey Graham is whipping votes against it. Nobody gives a f anymore. You know what I mean? Like, that's the real God's honest truth is that it's like there was energy at that moment when we yes. saw these people climb into the into the house or whatever. But now a month later, it's like, um, were those people Antifa? Some got arrested. Some didn't. Who cares anymore? Trump's gone. Well, and you also, know what I mean? and like also it's like now everybody's thinking about 2022. You know, when, when people talk about the first 100 days and I've gotten some like criticism on this show of like, what does it even mean? Who cares? It's like the first 100 days is literally just the absence of life, the absence of things <laughs> that are happening, right? You yeah. have 
a very precious amount of time at the very beginning when the biggest story in the world is there's a new president. Right. And you can get things done if you want, but... And you're not running yet, theoretically. You are not. There's like a little moment. Yes. Like 100 days is a nice little window of when someone should not be running for president. Can you please can, do your job? We can, can all everybody agree do your that job for, for 100, 100 days. days. Yeah, 100 days and then get back to campaigning. That's like the social contract we've all agreed on. Yes. <laughs> and, and meanwhile, you have Schumer... Who I swear to God, if I if I heard him say one more time that he's not getting pushed around, like <laughs> you know, it, it's like it's like talking. That's to, always you know when 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 the kid who gets bullied at school goes home and tells his mom how much he wasn't bullied that day. You're always like that is badass. That kid <laughs> is a little is what a badass for not getting bullied like that. <laughs> well, also it's like. You know, uh, uh, it's like it's like talking to your friend who's in a relationship and is like, oh, yeah, they came home last night. They were drunk, but they were really calm. <laughs> it's like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, what is what is being unsaid also, here? You know, we're trying to sell that these people like aided and abetted an insurrection while also being like, OK, we're having sort of like good faith debates with them on power sharing. You know what I mean? <laughs> like what? world that we it's like just as silly as how like you know they sort of ran on trump as the sort of russian infiltrator while also sort of you know voting up his military budgets and every single you know uh uh like do you actually literally give the nuclear codes to someone who you think is like a deep state agent you know what i mean i don't know (laughs) can we can we can we actually uh, let's detour there because it, one of the funniest artifacts of our modern political world is that everyone's kind of moved on from Russia, except for Hillary Clinton. Because Hillary Clinton, <laughs> I mean, honestly, she can't Hillary, she can't give it up, or else she has to admit that she's a worse candidate than Biden. I I know it's like it's actually so funny. She brought it up the week that they stormed the Capitol. I know. You know she's what I mean? Like, I'm oh, like, he's oh on my the god, phone with Putin. like Hillary. It's not Putin. You know what I mean? And also, like, Nancy Pelosi fucking gave her the time of day and was like, oh, this is absolutely Putin or whatever. You know, uh, uh, I just I get it. I get it. I get it. I guess she has to. She has to for her own ego. But it is it just makes me insane. I'm like, because what we actually saw was unprecedented <laughs> and something that I'd like never seen before in my life. Uh and yeah, to try to make it to like Putin was pulling the strings just makes me feel insane. That's I, I guess, all. And I guess gaslit. <laughs> that's that's the, the, the biggest thing is at in a 50 50 Senate, which it seems like, by the way, everybody but Mitch McConnell was unprepared for. Nobody <laughs> seems on the, on the Democratic side like they were prepared to actually have power. They, they right. already had like. All, all, everything was written for them to be the opposition party. And what's well, the only role they know how to play, to be honest with you? They're like, they're most comfortable in that role. And actually, also, the Republicans are more comfortable in that role, but they still can, they know how to like flex and wield power, you know, in a way that appeals to their base. I think, I think McCon- McConnell do. knows how to count votes at the very least. McConnell knows how to count votes and he knows where he can be obstinate and where he needs to give up. And so it's like, you're, you're dead right. He wasted two weeks in doing a power sharing agreement uh, uh, that literally <laughs> the only thing that changed was nothing because yeah. Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin were saying that they were against it from the beginning. And so uh, he, the only reason why McConnell agreed to it was so he could piss on Schumer's big Maddow interview that aired <laughs> last night. Cause he released it during oh, that interview. God. Uh, uh, immediately, so immediately invalidating it. Um, <laughs> but like Schumer has no, there's just like n- no sense of like, okay, well, what do you want? Do you want COVID? Do you want impeachment? Do you want, what do you want? Cause all of the things that would involve you doing things, you gotta go, you gotta <laughs> go. And even if you say, all right, so we're not going to get rid of the filibuster if it means getting this impeachment thing on the road now. Right. Or right. or we're going to do like it's it just the, the only thing that seems for something. Ask yes. For something. Go. You know what I mean? Flex. Like, ask for something like I don't think that they want anything. They're like, well, we don't want to do covid because that's like 
what we're kind of planning on taking up our, you know, March and April. You know what I mean? They're like, well, if we do that now, then like that kind of eats up our plans for the rest of the year. Uh, I don't know. And, I, and by I the way, it's like, it's like it's like it gets us back to the thing that's like, do you think Joe Manchin's not for it now? Do you think he's going <laughs> to be more for it when people can actually go to a basketball game in most states? Like, right. no, of course yeah. not. Yeah, we're not going to. And I don't know. I and, and the real shame of it is, is that they ran so specifically on this for the Senate. Um, you know, Biden won, you know, aside from the promises for two thousand dollars. But these Georgia voters like I swear to God, I, I think people pontificate too much on like what they think voters will think about stuff. I just think. That if I was told very specifically I'd get $2,000 and then it took till like June for me to get like $1,400, I would remember that. That's all. I really do think I would remember that. It certainly is. Well, I mean, because that's that's the other thing is that even if you're on the Democratic side, it's not like they're even doing a very effective job of painting the Republicans as oppositionists right now like like right. not even like oh no we need more of a margin we don't have enough of a margin we need more of a margin it's it's just sort of like chuck schumer saying i'm in charge i'm not getting bullied i'm not getting bullied right now yeah if that's what you're also, thinking i'm not getting bullied the never-ending talk about the filibuster i really think is like it's like fiddling while rome is burning you know what i mean like to be even like debating i you know i know it's a real important part of the you know the tapestry of our wonderful institution the senate or whatever but for us to constantly be debating this like weird procedural rule that literally like does stand between between people and getting and getting like immediate aid for not being able to work for like a year at this point like it just is disgusting really if you get outside of like you know, just even the sort of politics of it. You're just like, wow, these people are monsters. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, you know, even like, what do you, what do you want? Like it, you can't right. do the filibuster right now because mansion and, and cinema are against it. Cool. Right. So, so having a big, so, so what, what we just want move. is to waste time. Yes. So let's have, let's do two weeks where we get together a document. It's like DSA stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, you know, we want to talk about the filibuster. So let's spend two weeks getting together a working group so that we can put together a document that will uh, disavow, you know, <laughs> that yeah. will disavow uh, the movement to end the filibuster. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, guys, thank you so much. Wonderful work up there. Well, and it's like it's like nothing happened. Nothing happened. Like yes, at all. Nothing happened. Nothing. I mean, like Mitch McConnell said, I don't I want you to write on your forehead in permanent marker right now. We I will not filibuster. end the filibuster. And Chuck Schumer said, That's ridiculous. I won't Wait. be bullied into writing in mad in permanent marker and on my Joe, But then Joe Manchin was like, Don't worry, I will bully him yeah. into not having the filibuster. And everyone was like, Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Wonderful. And that's and that's and that's that. I don't know. Uh, and the people are, you know, like I said, people are six months behind on rent. During that whole period of time, as all that arguing was happening, people were like, I wonder if I'm going to like get to pay my back rent. Yeah. Uh, uh, with, you know, the 600 plus 1400, if the four, I, I, man, I would actually, I would bet on it not happening. I would bet on it not happening I, because if, if you I, look, if I you would look definitely at, bet on the full $1,400 not happening. I really would. And I, and I think this minimum wage thing is a smokescreen. The minimum like, wage thing. It it's is so frustrating because it's like we needed that minimum wage in like 2009. That's when people started talking about fight for 15. And so to put up as a victory that we have created a framework that can be disassembled uh, that will get us by half a decade from now to a minimum wage that like is not commensurate with like the cost of living that will be undone. 
That's not a victory. It's not a victory like by any Well, measure. and it's also it's also <laughs> so obviously going to be the first thing thrown overboard. It's not bold. It's not bold. Uh it's 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 literally like just a step above doing an executive order in terms of like how easily undone it is, you know? Yeah. Uh, you have to do these things quickly. So like that's how, you know, Obamacare is a mess and it doesn't work very well but you can't get rid of it because people got used to it and and it's a better system than not having health care at all like your life is better you know if you didn't have insurance before obamacare then you now have it your life is like slightly better for it even though you know it's an onerous cost and might you know be uh, bankrupting you otherwise you still can't get rid of it uh, uh for that very reason well and, it's and, like and, you and, have and, to do and there was there was everything quickly. else that came in with it like it was like pre-existing right. conditions and stuff yes, like that, exactly. that, that that's that's something that nobody that wants to get rid of but you have to give it to people right away you know what I mean? Like, that's what Obama did is he's like, I'm president. I have the power right now. Let's do away with pre-existing conditions. And so they did away with it. And Obama was like, not even that good. But if you do it, if you do away with it very quickly, then people are used to that. Saying that we're going to get the $15 minimum wage in 2025 ensures that no one will actually ever get it. Uh, so no one will ever even get used to it. You know what I mean? So it's like you have to do these things so that they can affect people's like material life like immediately. Otherwise, like, you know, this roadmap to getting it done sometime in the future will be undone and there won't be any outcry for it because people didn't have it yet. All right. Let's let's talk about the state of the the progressive left, because um. it, it, it feels that there was. Uh, in in November, at least through a lot of the the kind of like rank and file leadership or or famous, you know, most notable members of the the progressive movement were for Biden. They they helped uh, you know campaign for Biden and 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 for the Senate. Uh, but now it feels like that truce is over, mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know what the actual state of the progressive left is there seems to be some infighting now uh, Disaster. uh you know so uh, give give us give us from your vantage point uh wh what is the state of the movement um it's 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 complex okay so what you're talking about is like a couple different things uh, yeah. um as far as the state of the actual movement movement um i'd say that like the left in the united states um is stronger and has more momentum than it has, you know, for at least my lifetime. And I think probably since at least like, you know, probably for like the last seven decades or something like that. Um, but with that said, uh, it's still weak as shit. It's pathetic. <laughs> and we hold no power. Um, you know, uh, uh, and yeah, there is a lot of infight going on, infighting going on. So look, 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 I, uh, um, I do sort of think that there's a lot of good stuff that can happen at the local levels, uh, at local levels with the left. You know, I, I like a lot of the like sort of local organizations. I work with Ground Game LA, uh, who you know uh, uh, worked and kind of was integral to uh, electing Nithya Rahman uh, to the city council here in Los Angeles. You know, I think you can do stuff. Uh, to help people locally, but I do think that the uh, uh, on the national level, the left is a fucking disaster. Um, and even though I think you know there's momentum, uh, and more so than there has been in years, um, we're still in the United States, and I actually don't think that there's like you know absolutely like widespread or like a plurality of plurality of momentum. And I uh, and I don't think it's going to happen fast enough. I actually think that you know, and I'm not trying to be a doomer or black pilled or anything like that. Like, but my real feeling is that like, you know, with climate catastrophe and you know the kind of like ongoing collapse of the United States, I'm like. I think that we can do palliative care and I think that we can try to help our communities locally and we can do our best to elect people and stuff like that. But I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't see a sort of, you know, progressive, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, revolution happening through electoral means, you know, before, before this whole thing is done with, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so it's like, yes, there so, is a lot so, of so, 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 like, so like we said at the top, the laughs are back in Biden's America. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, um, I, I, I think that we, if you wanted, if you wanted my, if I had like a sort of prescription, you know, for what the left could do, I've always said that it's like, we just need to build the bench. We need more people. You know what I mean? A lot of the infighting going on in the left really boils down to, you know, 
the elected officials that are the furthest left, you know, the people in the squad, like your AOC, yeah. Zilan Omar, uh, Rashid Tlaib, you know, are sort of viewed by people on the left as like not being um, vocal or progressive enough, not pushing hard enough for this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that there are other and, and you know, also, you know, sort of uh, attacking really, you know, viciously, uh, which, you know, I think is acceptable to do to uh, uh, elected officials. You know, there is this sort of like strategic question about it, and, you know, whether we should attack people, you know, who are friends in the same way that you attack enemies and stuff like that. But, you know, it's a fucking mess. You know what I mean? Like, I and I would basically my basic feeling is that I'm like, I think that there are like very smart people doing organizing you know, at the local level. Um, and yeah, a lot of those groups did end up having to like support Biden, uh, and stuff like that. You know, um, I think that there's a lot of sort of, there is careerism do, do, do you, on the do left. You, do you think that that was a net gain for, no. for, for, for the progressive left to, to back no. Biden? No, but I don't know what the fuck else you do. You know what I mean? I don't think it was at all. And I think everybody got played, uh, if they ever really thought that the Biden administration was like, being truthful about them having access or anything, they got played. But then also, if I'm like a community organizer, you know, and people are like, we want to organize around getting Trump out of office. Nobody I mean, I don't, do. I don't yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm saying it's like such a f***ed up situation, this election, because Trump was truly the worst, like truly an awful president. You know what I mean? And like, you know, uh, uh, an awful person. And like, you understand why people desperately wanted Trump out of office, you know, uh, um, so I don't know if any progressive organizations thought that they were like currying influence or would get anything with Biden. I think that that's foolish. But I'm also like not about to like castigate anybody who had like energized people on the ground who wanted to get Trump out of office. You know what I mean? Yeah. Obviously, the biggest figurehead for the progressive movement over the past several years is Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders now ascended to the head of the budget committee. Where is where is where is the Bernie of it all in your mind? Listen, I like Bernie. Bernie's a politician, you know. Uh, um, uh, Bernie's a politician, and so I do think that he's but under. But did you see like, those memes? Uh, oh, he was sake. sitting in the chair. It's fine. Wasn't Whatever. He? It's all good. Uh, uh, everybody he? can love the memes. I truly find it annoying. Bernie's not threatening to to everybody now, and all the people who like were literally during the primary being like, he reminds me of my like abusive father, or <laughs> being like, how cute. I'm like, okay, I don't give a. Sh have fun out there, everybody. This is Biden culture. You know what I mean? I'm like, now that he is not threatening to you or whatever, he's suddenly a cute guy because he's like Biden's sidekick. Truly, and this is all good. I love Bernie still, but I look at Bernie in those pictures and he looks like Reek from Game of Thrones. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I see a tragic image uh, in Bernie looking on at Biden being inaugurated. But it is good that he's in charge of the, you know, Senate Finance Committee. And, you know, the energy is slightly different than it was in 2009. But, you know, uh, the Democrats are the Democrats. And, you know, I would, uh, um, I even with Bernie in there, I, uh, you know, and it's tough to watch Bernie be forced, you know, by circumstance to have to, like, run cover for Biden on some various things and stuff like that. But, you know, it's a real tragedy to 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 watch politics in the United States. So what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think that 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 sort of drills down to what I've I've seen is that some people are very frustrated that Bernie's no longer a threat. I think that there were elements of, of, of the progressive left that were just delighted that somebody would terrify liberals. Yeah, and, and, Bernie, you know and Bernie, I, Bernie was a specter of terror mm -hmm. to the idea that, oh, no, everybody. And now he's condescending Wonka. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just, it, it, you know, I don't know. Bernie. Uh, and But here's my thing is that I'm like, you can't. It's like I would be I'm more annoyed at like figures in like media and independent media and stuff like that who went hard Biden uh, than I am with Bernie Sanders because I'm like ultimately Bernie is a fucking politician and yeah. his trying to curry favor will can ultimately result in tangible material change to people's lives. You know what I mean? Like he is under different pressures than other people are. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I don't know. Like. It, it it breaks my heart a little bit, but I'm also like, this is politics. It's not being a fan of a punk band, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, everybody will disappoint you. 
eventually. That's life, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's the motto of the Biden administration, I think. <laughs> Frank Sinatra's That's Life. That's what goes through my head all the time. I'm like, <laughs> we voted for this. You're like that. You don't have, we're not going to get $1,500 till June. I'm like, that's life. Yeah. We voted for this. Well, you know? uh, we will, <laughs> we will all, do? we will all be crawling up into a big ball and dying. Uh, <laughs> as, as uh, old blue eyes sang. That's, that's life. That's life. <laughs> Jack Allison, uh, Jack AM on Twitch. Of course, struggle session is the podcast. Anything else that you're working on? Um, you know, I'm working on a novel, but don't worry about it. I'm posting on Substack, but people shouldn't look at that, you know. But the things people you said are good. So, but so wait, hold on. You. Also, can you give me 30 seconds on your Twitter? Because you had a Twitter and then okay. you became the literal Grinch. You you made <laughs> so you... listen. So listen, I this is a real, you know. Why does Twitter have power over us? You know what I mean? Like, why does Twitter have power over us? It's like because we're being ourselves online. You know what I mean? And I think that like. It was healthier and better when we were anonymous online. It was. I think that, like, you know, Facebook got us all to use our real names online so that people would stop being Nazis online, and everybody just became Nazis in real life. You know? Yeah. Uh, uh, the reason I, I was like, I don't want to be myself on Twitter anymore. Uh, and the only reasons I can think of to stay being myself are all like ego and weird brand stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm the Grinch now and people can't get <laughs> mad at me anymore because I'm like it's just the Grinch who said that <laughs> uh, so wait so how do people follow how, how do people follow the Grinch go to, go to Grinch posting go to twitter.com slash Grinch posting to follow the Grinch the literal you Grinch can, and you can follow my personal account at Jack Allison lol and that's what that's just going to be promo and that's like wishing promo. your mom a happy birthday. <laughs> I said I said congratulations to Kamala and Joe for the inauguration. So that's on the personal account that people can hire me from. There we go. There we go. Jack Allison, thank you so much. Uh, thanks for having me. All right. I want to start a new tradition here on PX3. Because I'm about to tell you a lot of ways that you can support this show if you would like to give us money. But I know times are tough. I know that not everybody's got something to spare out of their monetary budget. But I do know a lot of you guys are on social media. And I'm going to tell you this. The best way that we can continue to spread the word on this show is if we leverage something that we have always had in spades among this community, and that's engagement. And it's going to be very simple. If one of the folks who comes onto this show has a Twitter account, I'm going to give it to you right now after they are done. And at that point, I would love for as many people as possible to let them know that they heard that person on PX3 and they love the conversation. I'm going to level with you guys. We're going to have a lot of media and journalists on this show in the coming months, in the coming years. I know how to tickle them. I know how to scratch behind their ears. And that's Twitter engagement. So let's go ahead and... Everybody, let's try it out at Grinch Posting. Let's let Jack Allison know that we love him on the show. It's a free way to support this program. While you're over there on the internet, of course, you can always send us an email, be part of our email segment on Friday, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at px3tweets. You can see my live streams, px3live.com, and you can get our newsletter, px3newsletter.com. You can get merch for this show, including shirts and laptop cases, mugs, masks, with the logo for this program, and Raise the Dead, both seasons, at politicsmerch.com. You can support me on PayPal at paypal.me slash payjury. You can be like Amy Schwartz, who sent me a buck on Venmo. That is Justin-Young-20. And you can send anything you'd like to our P.O. Box, including checks if you're that kind of guy, 
P.O. Box 10853, Oakland, California, 94610. Of course, TakePoliticsSeriously.com is where you can get our bonus episodes and sign up to have your name read at the end of the program as part of our Titanic $10 tier, including I love you, TNT, Dr. G, The Gen, Kathy Mack, Headphones Neil, Onward to Georgia, Captain Bunzo, Jay Sulu, Dallas Danger Taylor, Middle-Aged Mike, But What Happened to Tex? Get a bucket and a mop. Cujo, Idris, Jacob Wilson, Berkeley, Steven, Justin Egan, Dot Com Junkie, Diana, Sunny Smiles, Tempest Fugit, Jason with Magnolia Delta Credit Card Processing, D Laser, Hashtagus, Alec, Government Unfiltered, Andres, Archie, Darren, Olin and Angela, DL, Kyle, Chad, Nomadic Terran, Miranda Janelle, Jenny, Robert, Casey, Paul, the most conscientious nonpartisan listeners. Brad, Richard, Just Another Pilot, Jim, D. Really, Frozen Summers, J. Pink, and Andrew. You want to have your name read amongst those illustrious humans? Head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. On Friday's episode, we're going to have a conversation with Jody Avragan, host of This Day in Esoteric Political History formerly of 538 great political podcaster i'm super pumped to talk to him and a listener set this up too so uh thank you for making that happen it 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 happens on friday on this very stream looking forward to it till next time is your old pal justin robert young saying uh, some shows talk about politics others talk about politics and still more talk about politics but this is the only program that dares Talk about oh Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.